0: All right, I don't know how we, we can't really do part of these lights, can we? It's kind of all or nothing. I don't know. We can do, we, we do part of them or not? You can see it. It can, that's fine. If not, I'm honored to be with the men tonight in Harlem. I've gotten the chance before to share it with the men in the Westchester region. I've gotten a chance to share it with uh, the Manhattan region, the Hudson Valley region, but this is my first time in Harlem. Uh, so, uh, I'm excited tonight to be with y'all. And, um, as James is saying, it, it always kind of came together. Uh, Robin and I led the ministry, led the church in Boise, Idaho the last six years. But then on January 1st of this year, we launched full time into this ministry of speaking and preaching. And, um, really it's, it's a ministry of healing, the people helping there you go. That's cool. Uh, that helps a lot. Um, helping us to overcome, and it's a ministry of, of spiritual recovery. Spiritual recovery, which includes a sexual purity. And so since January 1, uh, we've been on a, a mission, a, 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 an adventure, so to speak. And uh, God's allowed us to travel. We've got a chance to start the year speaking to the brothers and sisters in Singapore. And followed with a week of teaching in Jakarta, Indonesia a week of teaching in uh, Tokyo, Japan. Came back, came back home. Did some things in the Northwest and Vancouver, British Columbia, in Portland. just spent a week in an, uh, Mexico City. Uh, spent a whole week teaching in Mexico City, people in Mexico. Anybody out there? Okay. there you go. Amen. 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 I'm glad to hear that. Um, and then just finished last week. Finished a 35-day uh, speaking tour. Where we do, where were in Boston, Kansas City, uh, Illinois. Uh, Iowa, Cincinnati, Indianapolis, Indiana, Nashville, Tennessee, Dallas, Texas, and Arkansas. So uh, what I found out is we've got a common ground amongst the brothers uh, around the world. We have a common ground, the brothers, that we struggle with purity. Uh, we need, oh, wait a second, got to go back to the, I'm at the wrong end of my slideshow. My fault. There we go. We struggle with our purity. Um, I did a survey last year in, down in, uh, in the south. I won't, I won't reveal the state just to protect the guilty. Um, there was a meeting just like this, a Wednesday night meeting, and again, everybody had their, their phones out. We did a survey up online. We're not going to do it here tonight. Did The survey said, okay, how many men have looked at pornography in the last month, the last 30 days? If you looked at pornography in the last 30 days, you know, and you can just text it in and get your answers right there, and bam, it's up on the screen. Any guesses? <laughs> no, not quite that bad. F- Fifty in the last 30 days. Fifty in the last 30 days. I mean, when I've done these surveys, even in other regions of New York City, Chicago, campus, man, I've, done, I've surveyed thousands of men, um, it's not uncommon that 50% in the last 30 days if you carry it out over the last year the numbers get up in the seventies uh, and that's just including pornography now if you go things like how many times have you done inappropriate searches and gotten you're know, going after something online just for a little hit a little high a little 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 giddy up uh, a little thrill you know it wasn't necessarily technically pornography then you get on up to the eighty and ninety percent range uh... we struggle we struggle and we need a path we're going to talk tonight about the path of purity Alright, All right. All right Got it. Punch out. All right. everybody got that? All right, punch out. Punch out. And so we know we know that this is an issue. We know we need a path. Tonight we're going to explore the biblical basis for the path, and explore some, some scriptures about the path, about the importance of the path, about what it looks like to be on the path, about how to stay on the path, and also about how to enjoy the path. Because usually things we don't like doing, we don't do for very long, alright, you know. Some of us have have been on a you know go on a diet where you can't have like a like a like a no ribs diet okay I don't have no ribs all year you know I don't know how long that lasts for you that did not last long for me okay that's actually on my last road trip I tried the ribs in every city around the Midwest it was a it was a it was a great trip you know Kansas City was number one Kansas City had the best Joe's smoke Joe's Smokehouse Kansas City is number one ribs in the U S that I've found so far but um you know if you take that kind of a vow chances are you're not going to keep it very long, because we don't do things long-term that we don't find some enjoyment in. We do the things that we find that are enjoyable and pleasurable. And so this path of purity, we're going to talk about how you can end up enjoying the path. Some guys feel like they're in a purity group, or dealing with a purity. It's kind of like going to jail, you know, like, how long are you in for, you know? Uh, what's, your, what's your sentence here, you know? Uh, oh, man, I'm, I'm struggling. i I'm have been in some purity groups on Saturday mornings where it looked like these guys just were... Dragging in, there was not there was not an ounce of joy in there. These guys, looked like they were just suffering, their, doing their time. But God's path to find a purity is full of delight and enjoyment. We're going to take a look at that and then give you some resources to help you out. So, um, here we go. Uh, thank you, James, for reading the scripture, saving some time here. Um, seeing God. You know, this scripture for many years haunted me. Because I knew my heart wasn't pure. I knew I was struggling. I was one of those 50%. Uh, and I wondered, will I ever see God? Will this be what causes me to miss seeing God forever? It haunted me. And you think about this ministry. Uh, I look at what we do as a seeing God ministry. That's what we're here. We're not like an anti-masturbatory society, okay? We're not like the stomp out porn society. No, we're about helping men and women to see God. Because when you see God, amazing things happen. I know your theme this year is about loving God with all your heart and your soul, your mind and your strength. Amazing thing happens when you can see God for who He is, I bet you're going to love Him. I bet you're going to want to be with Him. I bet you're going to want to follow Him and serve Him. So obviously Satan, he's trying to destroy our walk with God, the first thing he's going to do is kind of blind us. Because God in his glory is amazing. God in his love, God and all his great characteristics, it is an amazing God. But if he can block our view of God, then he's got a great heads up on taking out our souls. Uh, Gerald May in his book Addiction and Grace says addiction is the greatest enemy of our love for God. Think about that. Addictions are the greatest enemies, the greatest Hindrances in loving God because an addiction is also known as, as an attachment. It's something the word attachment means like is it from the, the Latin attache which means like t- to nail it, it grabs your heart and it, it nails it to something. And we can become attached to many things. We can become attached to sports we can become attached to food attached to pornography. We can become attached to many things. Our work uh, our our yard. So many things we are tempted to become attached to. And when our hearts get attached to those things, then our heart is not free then to attach itself to God. So Satan is trying through not just pornography, but for all of our lives, we're going to face the challenge is, is my heart attached to God? Or is my heart attached to something else? Is my heart attached? You know, Where is our heart? At the end of the day... Our, are we craving more God? Or are, are we craving to know how our team did, you know? See, I, I can't sleep until I, I know the score, okay? What's our heart attached to? Are we craving, in the day, attached to God, attached to our family? Or we can't, we can't sleep until we know what the stock market did. Or we can't sleep until we know what's going on in the world. So we're going to deal with this tonight. going to talk about what purity is, and then go from there. I had a drink here. Here we go. Uh. One of the best ways to know what purity is, because it says, "What well is a pure in heart?" It's not necessarily just talking about sexual purity. I think gets included somewhere. I don't think it necessarily is entirely sexual purity. So, what is purity? What is purity? I think about Adam in the garden. He had God all to himself. Think about that. I mean, I know God can hear the prayers of millions of people that are praying at the same time. I don't can't even really fathom that in my little brain. I know He can do that, but can you imagine? that you're the only person in the world and you and God have time just to be together I mean you think about that have you ever thought about spending a day with God where all you did all day long was just hung out with God I think Adam did that it says he named the animals you know he said he named the mammals and the birds okay there are 20,000 species of birds there are 10,000 species of mammals. So if added and named the animals and the birds, he could have done that in, in a 24-hour period of time. If he had like a, 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 a conveyor belt there, and he named one every six seconds for 24 hours straight. Uh, let's see. Uh, pig. Uh, cow. Uh, goat. Uh, chicken. And they're just going right by there. Uh, goat. Adam, you already know, used goat. Oh, I'm sorry, God, I'm sorry, God. I got, I got. I that's, that's a hippopotamus, whatever, you know. I don't picture that's the way Adam and God were hanging out. Eden is a beautiful walled city. It must have been amazing. Cuz you think about it, think about where fossil fuel comes from, all right? It comes from the deteriorating plants and animals, all right? Where is the biggest cache of oil? In the Middle East, right? Exactly where the Garden of Eden was. So there must have been one heck of a garden there. One amazing, amazing, plentiful, beautiful animals and plants. God and Adam were hanging out. God was bringing Adam cool animals and saying, Adam, what are we going to name this one? Adam, let's take a walk together. Because we know he walked with Adam. Because it says in Genesis that he walked with Adam and Eve together. So he walked with Adam with two. And can you imagine Adam walking with God all to himself, Adam's saying, hey, God, you know it's about 5 o'clock and the sports are on. I need, I need, to, I need to let you go, God. It's been fun. I've got to let you go. I've I got things to do. I don't see that. I think he was just just amazingly happy and full with just him and God. That's all he needed. And that's what purity means. Purity means that all you need is God. God alone is enough. Nothing else is needed. Job was tested. Thank you, parents, for coming. You know, I think all Adam needed was God. And so, if purity means God alone is enough, if this is pure water, this uh, Poland spring stuff, it says 100% natural spring water. Look for ingredients on here. Sometimes you, they say pure water, and you find other junk in there. But in this case, there ain't nothing else in there. This is just pure water. 100% nothing else in there. That's how we know our hearts are pure. Job got tested. Job got tested. Is God alone enough? Satan didn't think Job could handle that. Satan started taking away his possessions. Took away his family. Took away his health. Took away everything Job had to find out whether Job really believed that God alone was enough and Joe passed the test I gotta ask tonight brothers would you be a full complete sap satisfied happy man if you just had God it's all you had you and God hanging out would God alone be enough because you see Satan when he tempted man to start sinning that was a lie he said he said God's holding that on you. You need more than that. You need, you need God plus the, plus his fruit, plus his knowledge. God alone's not, God's not enough. You need more than God. And you think about every sin since that time has been based on that same lie. Why would you steal if God alone was enough? Why would you lust if God alone was enough? Why would you covet? Why would you bow down to another idol? If God alone was enough. That's the essence of purity. And of course, Ephesians 5, verse 3 and 4 says, which is not even to have a hint. Uh, not even a hint. I mean, how many, how many would you be excited about, if we were eating, because Poland Spring, you're going in a little store down here on Convent Street, and you've got this out and said, okay, I want to buy me some water. Read the ingredient and says, okay, uh, 99.9% pure, uh, except for uh, 10 drops of cat urine. Would you buy it? Would you buy it? Say, oh, what's a few drops of cat urine to me? I don't care. Just, yeah. Drunk on. No, you'd say, no way. I want pure water. God wants men of pure hearts. Amen? Amen? Unfortunately, my story, when I read Ephesians 5, it condemned me. Because I was not a pure man of God. I was exposed to pornography at a young age. And it impacted me. It really stuck with me. Other kids could see it and walk away. Back then, we didn't have... Even didn't have VCRs yet. We had magazines, okay? Didn't have internet. Didn't have cable TV. Didn't have VCRs. We just had magazines. When I saw his magazines, it hit me. I was like, wow. It, and other kids used to walk away. but It was like a magnet to me. I was like drawn. When they were when they were around, it was like just talking to me. Talking to me. Talking to me. Until I'd find a chance to sneak over and take a look. I was powerless when those magazines were present. And later on... My parents did not teach me anything about sexuality, so I got my sex education on a school bus. Older guys making, you know, doing coarse gestures and making coarse comments and saying all kinds of sexual things. That didn't go well. That didn't go well. And over time then, I figured out from those guys what masturbation was. And I was like, hmm, okay. Now I'm realizing in my heart that something's not right about any of this stuff. And I'm wanting to stop. I'm wanting to quit. As a, as a teenager, I'm like, I want to get over this. So I start talking to people. starting to talking to ministers and my parents and, and other people saying, you know, how do I stop this? I don't want this. I made bets with my friend. We make a $5 bet, which in 76, that was a lot of money. $5 was a lot of money. And I, mean, I, was, I was losing money. So I was like, okay, this ain't working. Uh, I got to try something else. You know, I thought, I, I, I was so frustrated one night. I took and I, I carved in my desk drawer like May 4th. Like, okay. Man, I, I carved it in my desk drawer, so now I'm done. I'm really serious now. And somewhere in the world, there's was a desk out there with May 4th carved in. And <laughs> you know, I, they're wondering, what the heck was that all about, you know? Um, I, I, I thought these guys, these Prisoner of War bracelets. Do you remember Prisoner of War bracelets back in the 60s? Come you guys remember those guys? I thought, man, I want to get one that says Jesus Christ on it, like a little metal bracelet. How could I ever masturbate again? If I have Jesus Christ on my wrist, I'm done with masturbation. And then I realized I needed two bracelets. That's supposed to be funny, guys. Ha, ha, ha. Okay. okay, loosen up a little bit. we up. We got, we got to talk, guys. We got, we're, we're gonna get real here, okay? And realize, okay, that, that wasn't working either. So, I was like thinking, well, just I'll get married. I'll get married as soon as I can after high school. I'll get married. That'll fix it. Because if I'm married, then that's then this is all done. No more. No more problem with this. So I got married at 21, thinking this is all done. But now at 21, 21. Now now I'm in Chicago. Now, not in the farm anymore, and now there's all kinds of adult bookstores and uh, things available that weren't available before where I lived. It wasn't long after I was married until I was falling back into pornography, and then get into videos, eventually into strip clubs, eventually into phone chat lines, and you know types of adultery. You know it, it was a downward spiral. Not not when I was in church the whole time, reading my Bible, reaching out. And I, I had a Bible degree. I was preaching the word. But there was this other other guy that wasn't there all the time, maybe every month, every couple of months. Sometimes I, I go like even six months or a year. But then he'd come back and go deeper and darker over time. Until finally, after 20 years of marriage, my wife was being told by other sisters, you ought to move on. You have grounds for divorce. If David was going to change, he would have changed by now. Okay? And they were telling her she should move on. Uh, my counselor, I was paying him 125 bucks on, for a 50-minute session. He privately told my wife, uh, "There's less than 50% chance Dave will ever stop this." You know, and he did this for a living. This is his full-time job. His assessment was, "I was less than 50% chance of ever breaking this cycle of behavior." I wanted to. Re- when I found that out, I was like, "Dude, I need a refund, man! Come on, I'm paying that kind of money. You at least got to believe in me. Somebody's got to believe in me." Uh, but at that point, there wasn't much believing in me because I'd I'd frustrated several evangelists and several disciples and I wasn't even saying anymore I'll never do it again because I would said that so many times that I couldn't even believe it in my heart. I was like you know I'm not gonna tell you I'll never do it again because I said that last time and the time before that and the time before that and so I I don't want to lie to you. I don't know. I I, I wish I wasn't gonna do it again but chances are I will because I don't have anybody telling me how to break free from this, how to stop this. I didn't know anybody that struggled as bad as I struggled that had broken free for years. Everybody I knew was struggling like this. We got together and we just confessed, but nobody was getting well, really. It was a confession group. It really wasn't a recovery group. So I was starting to wonder. Those Scripture's like, I can do all things through Christ? I'm starting to think, can I really? Uh, is this somehow, you start thinking, oh, this is this my thorn in the flesh. I'm just never going to overcome this. You kind of start playing games in your head, how this could possibly be. Finally, my wife kicked me out and said, "You know what? I can't handle being punched in the gut. Even though you're down, just a few times a year, you know, every day I'm wondering if it's going to be one of those days. I never know which day it's going to be. So every time I'm thinking, is today the day? And I can't live like that, always wondering if today's the day. You're going to need to go figure out how to how to get this taken care of in a more permanent kind of way. And I was. Thank you. Amen. You said that last time. Okay. It's kinda of like, kinda of like me, you know. I said it's all over, and then it keeps coming back. That's like that hurry. She keeps saying it's over, and then it keeps coming back. Um, thanks for the illustration. Okay. So um, so I was mad at, I was mad at first, I was angry at first, cause I thought, man, I'm doing, I'm doing a lot better than I used to do. But she's saying I'm, I'm not, I'm not feeling it, cause it's still, it's still not over. And so I had to go on a journey. Had to find a path. Had to get with God and say, "God, whatever you tell me to do, wherever you tell me to go, whatever you put in my path to teach me, whoever it is in the church, out of the church, Christian, Jew, atheist, did not matter. If they know how, some, if they have some information I need about how to break this, then I'm going to I'm going to take it to heart because I'm out of I'm out of options here. I'm out of mulligans. If you golfers know what a mulligan is, I'm, I've already used my mulligans. Uh, it's time now. I, it's it's do or die. And that put me on a journey." Of, of listening to, to audios, going to seminars, going to counseling, going to a doctor—you know anything I could think of, anything the Spirit put me on my, my heart to do—I did whatever. I paid whatever price. I paid thousands of dollars, invested thousands of hours of time, and as of March 1st, I've now got 13 years clean. And so um, it is—it is possible, and I know as I've helped other men in this church and around the world. I know there are many more men that have had 10, 15, 20, 30-year cycles of addiction going on that are now living clean. We know now it's possible. We know now it can be done. So I want to share with you tonight some of the principles that can help you be done in your life. We need a path. Psalm 119, how can a young man stay on the path of purity? I figure I'm 58. Anybody under 58 is young, right? So, so I've got a lot of young men here tonight, and I think it will work for the old men, too. But it's so they we need a path. Which is something that's, something that's been kind of a new teaching for some of us, because we, we've we always wanted, our culture has been that we want an event. We want a deliverance. We want to say, I want a conviction. We want to get broken. And it's like, okay, now I'm broken. I'm really serious. And now I'm done with this. The reality is, those kind of convictions only last for a little while. They don't do the job. I had a guy tell me one time he got delivered. He went to a prayer meeting somewhere. Somebody laid his hands on him and he got delivered. I'm like, that's great, brother. Uh, talk to me in six months. If you're still delivered, I'll go to that guy too. Cause I, I would love to be delivered. I, I like that sound of that. It didn't, it didn't hold up for him either. It's not a personal quest. It's a matter of training. First Timothy 4-7 says, train yourself to be godly. It's a matter of training. Here's a little clue. Hang on to this one. It's a matter of consistency. Versus intensity, okay? We like the intensity. Bang! Let's get serious. Let's get broken. Let's get this done with. I'm I'm over it. But this is a victory. It's won with a path. Because think about a path where a path comes from. Anybody else grow in a country? Any country boys here? In Go city boys? Anybody? A few country boys. Okay. A path comes because somebody walks that way over and over and over. Again, whether it's a cow path or a deer path or a people path. It's created by somebody walking that way time and time again. And David says you need to find the path. Find, a, find where people have been walking over and over again. Find a proven way. You need to stay on that path. Find the path, get on the path. It's not an event. It's over time. It's a training over time. It's consistency over intensity. We need a path for spiritual reasons. Now it's amazing. When you look at Psalm 119, You might find, oh, what kind of things are you going to find there in that paragraph on purity? What kind of things is he going to talk about? Well, it's interesting because it's not the stuff we would probably think of when we first consider this. He talks about things like, oh, we'll read it here together. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? There's again living, not a decision living, path. I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me with your decrees. With my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. These are all like path kind of things, but they're interesting and they're not gloom and doom. It's wholehearted, yes, but it's praising. It's recounting. And of course, counting and recounting means it's doing repetition. Thinking something and going over it and over it and over it. God's word. It's rejoicing, meditating, delighting. It's a great way to live. It's not gloom and doom. The path of purity is a path that includes things that we really enjoy. Blessings that God has for us amazing delights and you think really this is a man who's walking with a shepherd he says it's a green pasture in psalm 23 walking in a green pasture with god again the lord is my shepherd i shall not want right i don't need nothing else there's the there's the god alone thing again the lord's my shepherd i don't need nothing else that's all i need is a shepherd a comforting shepherd a guiding shepherd that's good enough but this is also consistent with the brain science. We're going to talk about brain science here in a minute. Brain science, actually, how to change your brain. Uh, Dr. Daniel De Spenza, change your brain, change your life. All these things we're talking about here, rejoicing, delighting, meditating. These are all consistent with now the scientists are finally waking up and realizing that God's Word had the answers thousands of years ago. Spiritual path. We need an emotional path. Sexual sin stunts our emotional growth. You think about this. When you're in fifth grade, all right, at least back in my day, fifth grade is when the first girls in my class started growing breasts, okay? And that's all the guys could talk about was breasts, anything sexual. I mean, I remember guys throwing themselves down the floor trying to to look up somebody's skirt. I mean, it was just like, they're crazed, crazed guys wanting to get a peek, wanting to get a look, wanting to talk about. They were consumed with breasts and sexual Parts. And you think about that. Fifth grade. Not a very emotionally mature group, okay? I don't think there's any fifth graders in here, so I don't want to insult the fifth graders. But, you know, and you think about pornography in a pornography world where are they stuck? They're still in fifth grade, right? It's all about TNA breasts and rear ends, right? The pornographic actors are told to have to, to their hands behind their backs not to block the view of the genitals, okay? Because they want to see the sexual parts. It's all, all that matters to them is seeing the sexual parts. That's emotional immaturity. Emotional mature men realize that the heart of a woman, the mind of a woman, the eyes of the woman, what's in her, what she's all about. That's the way mature men think about women. Immature men, all they think about is the body parts. Sexual sin stunts our emotional growth. We're living as 5th graders, if we're still in the pornographic world. And also, kids think about themselves. There's no concern for others. It's all about me, me, me. if you learn about sexuality from the pornographic world, it's all about you. Getting what you want, when you want, how you want it. There's no concern for the other person. It's all about getting my way, my needs met, my jollies. It's all about me. Again, emotionally immature. So... This obviously leads in to things like loneliness, because we don't really know how to have a real relationship. It leads to turning to false intimacy. This is a big, big aha for me, that my craving for pornography, after a while, all the pictures are the same. I was really craving, I was wondering, why am I doing this again and again? But it's all the same stuff. The movie's all the same plot. There's no nothing new here. But really, my heart was craving connection, intimacy. Because in our brains... If someone takes their clothes off for you, they like you, okay? If someone says, I'll get naked for you, you're thinking, they must think I'm pretty special. They must think I'm pretty hot. They must think I'm pretty desirable. So the brain says intimacy and nudity, those go together. You go to the department store, the intimate section, that's where you buy the underwear, okay? That connection, intimacy and nudity, gets put into our brain. So if we're craving relationship, if we're lonely, craving relationship... Obviously, somebody taking their clothes off for us makes the brain think, "Oh, they like us," but they don't even know who we are. They don't give a rat's who are in who we are. You can pay a stripper twenty bucks. If you don't have that twenty dollar bill in your hand, they don't give a rip about you. Okay? But for a moment, it feels real, and for a moment, pornography feels like these people like me, and they're all po- they're all positioned to kind of give you the impression of, oh, "Hey, big boy, hey, come on now, I like you. You're awesome." Look at you. You know that's how it's made for our brain to think that way. So obviously, it's taking advantage of our emotional lacks, emotionally emotional needs. And it, it really makes sense when you understand um, that we all crave affirmation. We're all created for relationship. We're all designed to have amazing affirmation and relationships. This is where it really made sense to me, and this kind of bleeds over, but. Every man that's ever struggled with pornography, according to Russell Willingham, at some point is faced an abandonment issue. Somewhere, at some time in life, you know, was not given the affirmation that they needed or wanted. And this came through my head. It really helped me a lot. My dad's a great man. And you can read about it in the the Grace Calls book. It talks about my story in there. Great man, but he felt like I needed to be knocked down a level. He never really affirmed me. He never really bragged about me when I was around. Other people would say, "Oh, your dad's talking about you." I'm like, "Really? He's not talking to me." Now I have to admit, I was a young whippersnapper, smart. Can I say ass here? Is that can I say ass? I don't know. i say ass New Yorker. No, I was a smart ass. Okay, I, I I was really a kid that was really full of myself, and so I could see why he he didn't he, he didn't like that, and he wanted to knock me down. But I was craving affirmation. I was craving somebody to believe in me somebody to desire time with me. My dad was too busy building a house to have time to with me. And instead of a place in my heart where I was needy for affirmation, and of course the pornographic world substituted. It was a false intimacy. It wasn't a true intimacy. It was a false intimacy. And so, look in Philippians 1 verse 9. Alright. Alright. Take care of that. Look at all kinds of challenges tonight. Satan Satan does not let this talk... Satan is not... He is not happy. Satan is not happy with this talk, okay? He's trying to shut it down. Anyway, he can drown it out. He's working on it. Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. A big moment for me. Paul says, this is my prayer that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so you may be able to discern what is best... And be pure and blameless till the day of Christ filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ the glory and praise of God this this was a big breakthrough for me understanding what was driving my impurity it was a it was a, I had an emotional path to go on here cuz I was a person that had I had an empty spot in my heart my dad didn't tell me he loved me until I was 16 okay there was a part of me craving somebody to affirm me i wasn't very popular with kids and girls junior high, my friends all had girlfriends, I didn't and it it really made me very insecure about that, I was really sad about that, but this scripture says Paul was praying that the church would love one another your love may abound okay, so abounding is good, abounding is a lot, having lots of that stuff, okay, abounding but he says I want to abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight now that's some tight relationships there Your love is abounding, and it's not just like, Oh, I love you, oh, I love you, I love you. It's not just some kind of just words. It's, It's abounding in knowledge and depth of insight. People really know each other, and they know each other deeply. They know each other, their ins and outs, ups and downs. They really know who each other are. That's the kind of love Paul is praying for the church to have. Why? So that you may discern what is best. If you have people like that in your life... You can get some really good advice, okay? You get really good advice from people that know you day in, day out, ups and downs, love you that much, but also, and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ. Those deep relationships, those affirming relationships, those relationships that are abounding more and more in knowledge and of the insight, they lead to purity. Because that's real intimacy, that's real love. That's not the fake, false stuff. That's not some girl taking her clothes off that you never even heard of or seen trying to convince you and giving you a quick thrill because you've got to look at her body. That's not real intimacy. That's a joke. That's a lie. Real intimacy is love abounding more and more and knowledge and depth of insight. That's the kind of relationships we've got to build if we're going to be pure men of God. And that's going to require us knowing our pain. Knowing what our wounds are, knowing where we were abandoned, knowing where we've been abused, knowing where we've been hurt in the past. It takes a little work sometimes to figure that out. That's why this book that just came out, uh, Robin and book called Grace Calls, it's really, her name is the big name, mine's in the fine print there, this is Robin Widener, if you've got, you got your glasses on, you can read it in the fine print. She says, well, if you write 300 pages, you get the big print. I wrote about 40 pages, so I get the little print, okay? So uh, that's all right. It's all right. Every every chapter I wrote a response to in this book. But it's a book that helps us understand our trauma, our triggers, our thorns, our tears. It goes deep into our hearts. And uh, this book just actually won an award. It was given the Illumination Awards, uh, Independent Book Publishers, Gold Medal for Recovery and Self-Help Books in 2017. Um and now it's being endorsed by uh, counselors, by professors, by leading Christian uh, thought leaders. Um, some of you have heard of Josh McDowell. He's a very famous uh, author. He's written 150 books. He's personally reading this book right now. He's, he's already agreed, when we reprinted, to have his name on the cover as an endorsement. Um, and so it, it's having an impact because it's helping people to go deep. Go deep. But we need an emotional path going deep in our hearts. Sometimes, guys... We don't really know much about feelings, do we? We don't like to go in the land of feelings. We don't like to know about our pain. We're taught to be rugged and rough and, and not have any, you know, Chuck Norris and Clint Eastwood and, you know, all these. We're taught to be macho and, and, and not to be men to understand what our feelings are, where they come from. But that's not going to work. If we're going to walk the path, we're going to have to learn how to walk an emotional path as well. And we need a biological path. First um, Corinthians 6.18 says, Every other sin a man commits... As outside the body, but he who sins sexually sins against his own body. For years, I thought, well, of course, that's AIDS, that's HIV, you know, that's um, gonorrhea, syphilis, herpes, you know, all these sexually transmitted diseases. Of course, you're sinning against your body. But what I didn't understand is the main part of your body you're sinning against is your brain. Your brain is what's damaged the most by sexual sin. We're going to talk real quickly about frontal lobe syndrome. Overstimulation, arousal addiction, habitualization, Hebb's Law. These are some of the ways our brain is affected. Um, There are neurological consequences. Frontal lobe syndrome, the frontal lobe is a part of your brain up here that allows you to make good decisions based on long-term consequence, okay? So you you may be driving down the road one day and you think, man, I could just flip my wrist and have a head-on collision with the other car. You had dumb thoughts like that? Or I could, you stand on top of say I could just jump off this, this, I remember standing on top of Hoover Dam and saying, one little jump, I could go 600 feet right down in the bottom of this this dam. And you think, you're, then your prefrontal cortex kicks in and says, you know, uh, you flip the wrist, you have a head on, you know, that's going to be bloody, okay? You could die, they could die. You could end up having to get your 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 insurance rate might go up a little bit, you know. Uh you might miss dinner, you know, whatever. Bad things are gonna happen. You know what, I'm gonna stay in the lines, I'm gonna stay on the road. I don't want it to do that, okay? That's your prefrontal cortex. They're saying now it's not fully developed till you're about age twenty eight or twenty nine. So that's why we don't let people drink under twenty one. They don't have the ability to think how is this gonna affect things down the road. Um, why don't let people drive too early? Because you need to be able to think, if I do this now, how is this going to affect me later on? That's the frontal lobe. But long-term porn use and masturbation messes up your frontal lobe. It's like your brain has had a car accident, okay? It does damage your frontal lobe. That causes things like impulsive behavior with little regard for consequences. That's the part that works to think down the road. What's this going to cost me? When you damage that... You have no ability. Some new scientists say that pornography actually bypasses the frontal lobe. It comes in your eyes. Instead of going into your frontal lobe where you can think about what the consequences are, it just takes a a detour right around that, right back to the pleasure center of your brain, your emotional part of your limbic (laughs) system. Um, Compulsive behavior, leading to loss of control. Emotional instability, sudden and unpredictable mood swings, impaired judgment, disastrous decision making. These are consequences that impurity, it says, sins against our own body. Well, again, it's a sin against the brain. Um, overstimulation of the reward circuitry. Our brain was never wired to take in masses of pornography, mass massive nudity. It wasn't wired for that. Because each per- each vision, each new picture we see, gives a burst of dopamine in our brain. And... What happens after a while is the brain is saying, no, 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 that's too much, it's too much, I can't take it, I can't take it, and so it downregulates the number of receptor sites in the brain for dopamine. So that means now, because there's decreased number of receptors, you got to do more to get the same result. It's called habitualization or tolerance. So now it teaches the brain to prefer. Well, then, so now you need more and more and more to get the same impact. Um, arousal addiction teaches the brain to prefer the image and become less satisfied with real-life relationships. This is a big deal. A lot of There's a couple of websites out now. There's, there's a Time magazine, front-page cover. Some of the biggest advocates for stopping porn use right now are not Christians. They're scientists, they're counselors, because more and more men are coming in with erectile dysfunction because their brains prefer the image on the screen versus a real-life person and they have lost their ability to be sexual with a real person because the brain becomes so addicted to the arousal addiction it needs. Because in pornography, you get not just one vision, but over and over and over. You can consume more pornography in one session than the average person would have seen nudity in their entire lifetime. And that's, again, overwhelming the system, causing the brain to shut down and then be wired to the wrong things. Um, again, dopamine surges when a person is exposed to novel stimuli. Um, this, The whole idea of novelty, of different genres, and different types of porn, is what keeps people going, keeps the dopamine rushing, and this creates an addiction. Or we have to search harder for satisfaction, leads to more extreme stimuli, longer porn sessions, more frequent porn viewing. Um, it's, it's like when you overwhelm the system... It just, your brain is like losing your taste buds, okay? I mean, what a bummer to be unable to have your taste buds, right? I mean, uh, when's the last time you thank God for your taste buds, okay? You really, you really should more often because, I mean, can you imagine life where you just can't taste anything? It's just, it's just all the same old thing. I mean, like I say, I was on this trip through the Midwest. I was having ribs in every town. I was like, okay, I'm comparing the ribs in Kansas City to the ribs in, in, uh, Cincinnati to the ribs in Boston to the ribs in Nashville. I'm on a, I'm on a tasting tour, a rib tasting tour of the, of the Midwest. And it, it you know, and I'm like, I'm loving it. I'm, I'm loving, well, let's see. Now, this has got a little more smoke. This has got a little more sauce, a little sweeter, a little more spicy. I'm, I'm digging it. Okay. How sad would that be if they all taste the same? It tastes all the same. You know, it'd be, a, it'd be a terrible thing. We'd lose our ability to be satisfied with our food. Unfortunately, this is what happens with pornography is you lose that taste bud. You lose the sensitivity. Ephesians 4 talks about we lose our sensitivity through to sin. And it's never truer than in, in sexual sin. And so, therefore, you know, like Mick Jagger said, he couldn't get no satisfaction, right? But he tried. And he tried. And he tried. And he tried. See, the problem wasn't not having enough women to have sex with. He lost his sensitivity. He lost the ability to really enjoy, in a godly way, what God had designed to bring us fulfillment and satisfaction. So pornography promises more sexuality. It promises, and it says, oh, you're a bigger man, you're, you're a sexier man. But the reality is it robs you in your ability to enjoy God's blessing of sexuality. Because God gives the best to his children. You wouldn't give the best stuff you have to your neighbor's kids. You give the best stuff to your own kids. So brothers, we've got to stop envying the world. Stop envying the Will Chamberlain of the world that said, I had 10,000 women. I'm so sad for you, Will. Because you didn't get no satisfaction. Okay, You didn't get nothing. I get the best stuff. As a disciple of Christ, married to a disciple of Christ, I'm a child of God. God gives me the best. Don't envy, don't envy the athletes, don't envy the stars, the, the, the big, you know, whatever they are, music stars, with all these women. It means nothing to them. I studied the Bible with a guy who was an all-star wrestler, and he said having a woman was just like having a glass of water. It got to where it just meant nothing. No satisfaction, no enjoyment. Satan robs that, he robs it, does damage to our brain. And here's a quote from Wired, for instance. Each time an unhealthy sexual pattern is repeated, a neurological, emotional, spiritual erosion carves out a channel that will eventually develop into a canyon from which there is no escape. We get these brain grooves from over and over. It's called um, Hebb's Law. The neurons that fire together wire together. Our brain is a community of connections, connections connections of neurons that are connecting. And when they fire together, they wire together, they form these communities. That's why I'm a terrible golfer. I don't have any... I don't have a good community formed. I didn't start till I was in my 40s. So, you know, I don't have that thing going on. It's, it's, a, it's a dangerous thing to play golf with me. Because um, you've got to develop those communities, all right? But once you get that community developed, whether it's an impure community or a peer community, man, it, it is in there. It's locked in. The Bible says, train a child in the way he should go when he's only one to depart from it. That word literally means to touch the palate of a child. The moms used to chew the the food up. They didn't have Gerber back then. They chewed the food up, put it on their finger, and the kids opened their mouth, and they touch the palate of the child and train their appetites. They were forming in the child the things they were going to like to eat the rest of their life. And that's what happens in our brain. We get to train. If we train our appetites, form these communities in our brain, they're wired together. That's why overcoming this is so difficult. We've got the hardwiring set up. And even one porn session can have the effect of re-hijacking the brain. It's a powerful, powerful tool, Satan uses. you want to learn a lot more about this, a couple of websites, yourbrainonporn.com, fightthenewdrug.org. Tons and, tons and tons of material out there on brain damage, what the scientists are finding out. Let's talk about some, some answers here. Let's remember why this is so important. A couple of scriptures remind us, what's the big deal? It's just pictures. Why is it so important to be pure man of God? To have not even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity. Not even, you know, just like Adam, God alone is enough for Adam. Well, sexual purity is our spouse alone is enough. 100% of our sexual purity must come from our spouse. Not even one of those, "Mm mm-mm. Her Lord have mercy. You know that that means that means I'm getting some sexual pleasure somewhere outside my wife. I'm getting a little hit, a little high, okay? That's impurity. It's no longer hundred percent. Now it's it's tainted. Some of my sexual desire sexual pleasure is coming from outside my marriage. And so let's look at Job again. He said he made a covenant with his eyes not to look lustfully at a girl. Look out what he else he says about this topic, which is, I think is very fascinating in Job 31. Why did he do this? Why was he so committed to this? He says, for what is man's lot? What is our lot from God above, our heritage from the Almighty on high? Is it not ruin for the wicked? Disaster for those who do wrong? Does he not see my ways and count my every step? Job talks about his heritage, his lot. He's talking about his destiny here. His destiny, his spiritual destiny, he believed was tied to his sexual purity. How far he would go for God, what he would accomplish for God, what role God would play in his life, he believed was directly tied to his sexual purity. Wow. Some guys said, Well, I'm doing really good with God, except for I got this purity problem. I got news for you. You're not doing that good with God, okay? You're not doing that good with God. Because God values your sexual purity. And look at Job. He said he made a covenant with his eyes. Now, there's different kinds of covenants in the Bible. The covenant that Abraham made his servant take before he went out to find a wife for Isaac, he wanted to marry only a Jew. So he said, I want you to take a covenant with me before you go out, that you're only going to bring back for my wife, for my son Isaac, uh, a Jewish girl, a faithful Jewish girl, for him to marry. He said, put your hand on my thigh. Now some of you guys greeted me tonight. Nice handshakes, a few hugs. Met James and I out there on the side and he gave me a handshake and a hug. If James is just going right for the thigh. That would have been an awkward moment, you know. It's like what what do you what you, you put your hand down there, buddy? What's that all about, you know? Is that is that something that Harlem guys do? I don't know. Is that a Harlem is that a Harlem handshake, you know, where you grab the thigh there? That that would be a little interesting, you know, I would've I would have come home, and come home and talk to my wife about that. One of those guys in Harlem, they're interesting dudes, man. They got the new handshake going there. Um, but actually, my, my Hebrew, I, I, my major in college was Biblical Languages, Greek and Hebrew. And my Hebrew professor, Tom Eddins, who um, did eight years of Hebrew study at Hebrew Union in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, he said that translators are being nice. He said, the reality is, that word there is not Thy. That word is testicle, all right. And so when they made the covenant, it was like a life for a life. Okay, it was like um, we're we're taking a a blood oath here, you know. And I don't know about you, but I I've never made that kind of oath with anybody. You know, uh, that that'd be a serious moment. If I were to make that oath, that would be a solemn solemn occasion. Okay, a very very important moment that I would never forget. That okay. Well, his conviction about his purity was that serious to Job. He's like, you know what? It's my life here. It's my spiritual life. My destiny is tied to my purity. So I'm serious about my eyes. Where my eyes go, what my eyes look at, I'll take that very seriously. And you know what? When God looked over the whole earth, when him and Satan were hanging out, and God looked over the whole earth, who did God say was his man? Who does God say, of all the people on the earth, do I respect the most? I respect Job. I don't think that's an accident. I think that is exactly one of the reasons why God honored Job so highly, because Job had that kind of conviction about his purity. I love Revelation 2.20, one of my favorite passages on purity, about the church in Thyatira. All the churches in Revelation had good things going for them, but all of them had an issue. Laodicea had lost their fire. Ephesus had lost their first love. But Thyatira, we don't talk about it as much. Thyatira, in Revelation 2, verse 20, it says, verse, it says, Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel, who calls herself a prophet. By her teaching, she misleads my servants into sexual immorality and eating of food sacrifice to idols. The problem with Thyatira was they had grown tolerant of sexual sin. Woman Jezebel, whether she was a real woman or a symbolic, she was all about sexual immorality. And the church had gotten to where they just let it go. They weren't addressing it. See, God is patient with us. I can tell you, you told my story, 30 years of cycling in and out of pornography and masturbation and sexual sin. God is very patient. But he's not tolerant. He expects us to be victorious. He expects us to deal with this, he expects us to do whatever it would take to be pyramid of God, because he wants us to be like job and to be spiritually powerful. Amen. Look at the promise then revelation two twenty of what the promise is for those people who deal with this, who become intolerant, who take care of this matter and and to um, uh, um 24 it says verse 25 26 it's to the one who is victorious and does my will to the end i will give authority over the nations interesting to the one who deals with this sexual sin of Jezebel it says i will give him authority over the nations your sex your spiritual authority is tied to your sexual purity think about that how much confidence do you have in a bible study with somebody you start going through the sins and you say, well, you've got to deal with your Im- Im- immor- uh, immorality, your impurity. You know, well, I'm still struggling with mine, but um, you've got to deal with yours. How much authority do you have in that situation? How much authority when your teen son, your teenager, junior high son, you catch him on the Internet looking at pornography, and you say, son, this is bad, but you know I do it too. How much authority do you have to help him to overcome that, to teach him the way? How much authority do you have to lead your family, to re- lead your wife? How much authority you have in your in your neighborhood, in the church? Your authority, your spiritual authority is tied to your purity, according to the teaching here in Revelation. I see this happen. Before I began my string of victory, I had spoken a couple of places in the US, never outside the U.S. And I didn't think much about it. But since God sent me on this journey, guided by the Holy Spirit to be sexually pure, to go after total purity. God, opened the door for me to speak in Kiev in Ukraine, in Zagreb, Croatia, Budapest, Hungary, Nairobi, Kenya, Kampala, Uganda, Jakarta, Tokyo, all over the Caribbean. Is this an accident? Is this just happened? Is it possible that because now I'm a man of purity that God has given me authority in the nations? We were in Africa, we had a marriage event, and this guy comes to the event, and you notice people come to the event when, they, when the first car, in a, and there's a convoy of three cars, and the first car is full of military people with guns, second car is, is his car, and the third car is another military vehicle with guns. Those guys pull in, you kind of say, hey, wonder what's up with that guy, you know? He was somebody's visitor. And when you're speaking, you kind of look and say, kind of keep an eye on this guy, you're like, I wonder what, he's, wonder what his facial expression is telling me about, because I'm talking about things that they don't talk about in Uganda. He just killed thousands of people. They don't talk about sex still. It's, it's, it's a par- paradox. So I'm talking openly about sexual sin, and our, my wife and I are talking together. And I'm wondering how this is going down with this guy. I don't know who he was, but I'm like, he's important. The average guy, every disciple is not coming there with, with a two-armed vehicle. That's just not happening, okay? Um, so during the break, we gonna tap on the shoulder and say, hey, this guy wants to meet with you and your wife privately. All right, cool. The man in the hotel... They put together a room for us, set the table. Man, we were sitting down, this couple, like, bang. And they started opening their hearts to us. Tell us about their struggles in their marriage. We got back into Kampala, the capital city. He invited us into their home. They had guards on every corner of their property, okay? He laid out a feast for us, just incredible gratitude to us for helping them out. Next time I came to Uganda the next year, when they'd stop our tour bus, our our leader would say, you must not detain us. I have very to put a man on this bus. He's speaking with a high official. He would not be pleased. Let us go. And they let us go. Anyway, and I felt pretty cool. I said, hey, he's talking about me. He's talking about me. Because I'm, I'm, I'm buds with a guy that now is the, over the entire military of Uganda. I, this guy, I've been in his life sharing with him about how to, how to pure life and a pure marriage. It's a cool feeling, guys. Spiritual authority. I, I just got a taste of it. I don't have nothing compared to what Jesus had. But I've got a taste of it, and it tastes good. It tastes good to be able to help your son. It tastes good to be able to help other men. Guys that you help get pure, they hug you the same way disciples hug you that you baptize. It's the same hug. Because you know they know that you saved their life. That's why it's important. Alright, we've got just a few minutes left here, and I want to cover some more ground. So we got to get on the path, okay? There's a path... It's an emotional path, it's a spiritual path, it's a biological path. And we have to get that brain rewired. The cool thing about a brain is it is rewirable. It is a plastic brain that can be rewired. It's not easy, but we can rewire the brain. Where do you start? You start with being willing. Matthew five twenty-seven. it says, You're better off to go to heaven with one eye than go to hell with two. Remember that scripture? It's talking about lust, right? He said lust... And dealing with your lust is more important than having your eyesight. That's pretty important. I mean, if you go to the doctor, go to the doctor. Doctor says, James, you're going blind. That's not a good day. That's a bad day. And you just say, well, okay, I guess I'm going blind. Oh, well. I mean, I'm going for a second opinion somewhere. I'm going to find out what I can do. I'm going to ask some questions. Doc, can I do anything about this? Dr. says, "Well, you can make, you make, you make a 10-minute phone call every day. You can make a 10-minute call every day and share your heart, share your temptation, get open with your life, what's going on. You won't go blind. Hmm. Well, Doc, I'm a busy guy, man. I got a lot going on. I got, I got the games. I got this and that. I can't do that. I'll just go blind. No, you wouldn't. You would set like three alarms on your phone. You'd put a note under the mirror. You'd have, you'd make, somehow, you'd find a way to make a 10-minute call every day. If you thought you didn't do it, you'd go blind. Wouldn't you? Well, Doc, I've got a, I mean, what else could I do? He said, well, there's some materials. There's some, you need to read up on this. You need to get some, uh, some audio uh, lessons and you get some materials. And uh, it's going to cost you about 20 bucks. Um, it's like, man, 20 bucks. That's a lot of money. I'll just go blind. You'd find the money, wouldn't you? You'd find that money. If you thought it meant the difference between you seeing or not seeing, you'd pay the money. I paid thousands of dollars because my marriage was on the line. If you're serious about something the way it is talked about here, like you lose your eyesight, go into a meeting, go into a seminar, read the book, listen to some audios. I mean, um, you guys did them, went through the audios, as a as a group, which is awesome, but are you pure? Are you successful? If you're not yet, you need to get your own copy of them and recount, go over them and over. I had a guy in this church, in New York City church. He came. I was eating in a restaurant. Uh, where was that? He came in. He's a is a he's an educated man. He's a leader in his in his, in his neighborhood. He just came in because he wanted to hug me and meet me and say hi because he'd had a long-term battle with pornography, a losing battle, he started listening every day. He said, I would listen to lessons every morning on my drive to work, 20-minute lesson for a month. Then I'd leave the Bible for a month. Then I'd go back to listen to your lessons again. And by the way, those aren't, those aren't cassettes, okay? Those are not cassettes. They're, they look like cassettes, but they're little thumb drives, all right? Um, and he said, by doing that, I learned how to be a pure man of God. And I'm now walking in freedom. See, that's the thing. If you're not free yet, you gotta go back and do the training. Do the repetition. Go after it over and over. But you gotta have start first with a conviction. Are you willing to do whatever? Then find some mentors, find some people who actually a big point for me was I went to a group, had some men who actually had been as messed up as I was, or now we're living free. It's like, wow, these guys actually exist. I started following them. The Ecclesiastes says, You're two are better than one. Somebody help you. Somebody to help you. Don't try this by yourself. Find a mentor. Find a helper who's actually walked the path and can show you the way. If that means going out of the church, I don't care. Find them somewhere. Find somebody somewhere who's been victorious and latch on to that person. Because remember, unless the pure in heart, they will see God. Your spiritual survival depends on this. Don't be content to keep struggling. Get the help you need. Creating boundaries is so important. Remember the prefrontal cortex, how it, it allows you to make a decision based on long-term consequences? That's the part of your brain needs to be trained. But I know, because of my boundaries, if I click on something, I gotta talk to my wife about it. If I break a boundary, I wanna click on the top ten hottest tennis players on the women's tennis tour. I gotta make a choice right there. Is this worth talking to my wife about? I have to envision in my mind what that conversation is going to be like. Because she's going to ask me, what did you click on? What did you search? And I have to envision in my mind how that's going to go down. How she's going to respond. If she's going to cry. If she's going to, how that's going to make her feel when I talk about that. That's my prefrontal cortex helping me out. In the book of Proverbs, it says that the young man that talked to the woman that let her kind of deceive her, to deceive him and say, oh, my, my bed's all smelling good, and my husband's out of town. And What we found from brain scans, the longer you sit and hesitate, the higher ex- your excitement level gets, your prefrontal cortex just shuts down. It says, like an ox to the slaughter, he just bang, went. Again, the country boys would know about this, the city boys may not know about it said, ox going to slaughter, is like, mm, I'm going to the slaughter. There's no resistance. He's just going. He has no clue he's going to get his, a, a bullet between his eyes. He's just going. His brain had shut off. He had no ability. Know, an ox never had the ability. But for a human being, going to ox of slaughter. Uh, your brain is become an ox-like brain. It's just going down the road. People that get caught in internet stings for um, um, solicitation, child solicitation, their brain is shut down. They're not thinking about, I can go to jail for this. They're totally zoned out to that. People look at uh, child pornography. They're not thinking how much time in jail they're going to do. Their brain is totally shut down. People do dumb, dumb things. I've had more and more brothers in the last few years I've seen go to jail for internet pornography issues because their brain shut down. They gotten to where they needed a higher fix, a higher level of dopamine because they looked at all the other stuff. Now they're going for the bigger stuff and the brain shut down. They can't see the consequence until bang, the malware pops up on their screen. And the FBI is knocking on your door saying, um, yeah, I'm going to confiscate your computer and you're going to go to jail. That's a bad moment. It's a bad moment. And, And in Proverbs, it says, it's a bad moment at the end of your life. It says, at the end of your life, the guy that lets his mind go into the ox state says, at the end of your life, you'll groan. You'll groan. It's a sad feeling. It's a sad feeling when you lose your job and you have to go tell your spouse, I lost my job because of internet pornography. You groan. You're going to jail you groan you lose your spiritual authority and God shows you at the end you could have been a powerful, powerful man for God you could have won your neighbor, you could have won your children you could have led powerfully in the kingdom of God but you surrendered that by surrendering your purity you will groan you will say, oh my gosh, my life could have been so different but I wasn't willing that was a problem in Thyatira, it said I gave you time I was patient I gave you time to repent you weren't willing the question now brothers isn't can you or can't you we have plenty of brothers around the world who have overcome what you're dealing with we know now it's possible The question isn't can you or can't you it's are you willing are you willing the answers are there we know the biblical principles now we've got them recorded are you willing ultimately we learn to follow the Spirit ultimately we learn to build deep relationships and it's incredible what happens. When you build these deep relationships, it's like such a blessing. I would rather have never... I'd rather have the relationships I have now and have the shame of the, what I've been through than having... If I had never had the shame, but I had a bunch of shallow relationships, I'll take the deep relationships. I'll scorn the shame that I've gone through to have the brothers that are in my life that know everything about me and still love me. Staying on the path... It is a, it's a lengthy path... And just FYI, guys, if this has been your pattern and you stop, you will go through withdrawal. This happens not just with sexual sin. If you're a video game guy and all of a sudden you stop playing video games, you're going to be a jerk for about a month, okay? You're going to be just, you're going to be, you're going to be jittery, you're going to be fidgety, you're going to, you're a guy that loves sugar, you cut the sugar off, you know. Whatever your addiction is, you stop it. You say, I'm not addicted. Well, just stop it, okay? Let's find out. I'm not going to argue with you. If you're not addicted to porn, great, just don't do it anymore. Okay? That's my country boy definition of addiction. I'm not going to argue with you. If you believe something's wrong, and you try to stop it, but you're still doing it, there's no argument there. We don't have to even discuss it. You, you've made the point, okay? If you believe it's wrong, and, you start, and you're trying to stop it, and you're still doing it, just face it. If you don't like the word addiction, well, just call yourself a slave. If it feels, if you feel better calling yourself a slave than an addict, well then go for it, okay? You can be a slave. I, I, I got no problem with that. That's a biblical word. We're slaves to sin. That makes you feel better? Don't use the word addict, okay? Your choice. But admit the fact that it's got you, you don't have it. Why does it take so long? Because it's, it becomes wired in our brain. Hardwired. Hebb's law. Neurons that fire together, wire together. Gotta to change our whole brain. And I've got whole websites devoted to what, uh, this process of, of rebooting. The brain can be rebooted, but it takes time, and you will go through withdrawal. It'll be tough. A lot of guys don't realize how tough it's going to be. When you say, I'm quitting, your brain says, oh, no, you're not. Oh, no, you're not. You've said it before. I'm used to this. The brain likes what's normal. The brain always is asking what's normal. When you've got a normal pattern set up, you try to change it, hell is going to break loose in your brain, okay? There's going to be all kinds of resistance, but you can get through it. With the help of some brothers, you can get through it. Ultimately, God wants to build our character. He's more interested in our holiness than our happiness. He wants to build our character. That's why it takes time. Building character takes time. And ultimately, He wants us to have great relationships. True intimacy takes time. To build great friendships takes time. And that's what it's going to take. I can resist a McDonald's hamburger when i got a rack of ribs right on my plate. Okay? Not hard. I don't have a hard time resisting that hamburger. It's like, you know what? Get that thing out of here. I got some ribs, okay? I don't need that hamburger. And it's the same way. When you have real relationships with your spouse or your single brothers with other parts of the body of Christ, we have real relationship, real intimacy, then we can say, why would I want that? Why would I want, you know, some famous actress? You can have sex with some famous actress. Why would I want that? I don't even know her. There would be no... There would be no intimacy. There would be no connection because we have no emotional bond, no spiritual bond. It would be only physical. That would be so disappointing, so unsatisfying. Get that out of here. Get that thought of my head. It, it makes no sense to me. Ultimately, amazing gifts happen as we recover. So, final thing is, see the guy here? Climbing. I'm not a climber, okay? That's not my deal. But if I was a climber... I would buy the right gear, okay? This guy, I'm convinced, he didn't just buy cheap stuff, okay? if He's out there hanging in those ropes, and his life depends on it. He bought some good rope, okay? He bought some good harness. He bought some good gear, because in his world, if he's going to be successful, he's got to have the right gear. And so, I going to give you some suggestions of some gear that could be helpful to you. You know about the audio series, it's 20 bucks. 20 bucks for 21 lessons. Come on, guys. You know, uh, I tell people, that's I paid $150 an hour or $130 an hour for 15 minutes. If you don't get like one-fifth of counseling session out of those 21 lessons, I'll refund your money, okay, gladly. It's not a problem. Um, there's a marriage seminar plus the, the purity seminar. It's a, it's a two-for-one kind of deal. Uh, so 12 couples came together in to our home, and we did a whole weekend on how couples can work together and purity together. That combined with the other one is $30.00. Uh, again, great material. Uh, this book, award-winning book, it's now been the gold medal-winning book. Um, this book will take you deep. Some of you guys need to figure out what your trauma has been, what your triggers are, what what's going on. You know, you're emotionally shallow. You need to learn how to walk close to God and let Jesus lead you into some difficult places that maybe you've never been. Some of you may need to go to counseling. I mean, it's it's not a big, not a bad thing. Once in a while, if you've been abandoned by a parent, if you've been abused sexually, many times a counselor is not a bad thing. Don't be afraid of a counselor. A counselor can be a good thing. But maybe before you do that, take a walk through this book and find out where your heart's at and what's been going on. Tonight we're offering a special deal. Um, if you haven't given your your uh, your lady in your life a Mother's Day gift yet, here's your chance to redeem yourself. Um, we've got uh, we've got. Uh, Really, all these books are good for men, too. I mean, the, the Secure and Hard. It says Overcoming Insecurity in a Woman's Life. In Singapore, there's a men's group doing The Secure and Hard book. It's it's really cool. So, uh, that's 15. Eve Song is a great novel about Eve and Adam and, and their struggles for for um, overcoming what they had in their life. That's powerful. And so you can get the three books, The Grace Calls, Eve Song, and Secure and Hard. Or I want to make a deal of all deals. I want to give you... I want to go crazy here, okay? If you want to do the three for deal, the the, the big deal... You can get any three, except for the video. We've got a, a, a video for um, Grace Calls for married couples. I can't include that deal. Everything else on the table, if you get three, that's one Grace Calls plus two other things, either an audio or another book, 40 bucks. That's like $60, $70 value. That's like crazy. My wife would kill me if she was here, okay? Because that's like giving away. Well, I want you guys in the Harlem to have the tool, have the gear you need. Go through this with your spouse married guys, have the guts to go through with your spouse. It will change your marriage. And, for some of y'all that are free this weekend, that haven't signed up for our our conference this weekend in Valhalla, uh, Friday night, two hours of teaching, Saturday, eight hours of teaching. It's called Grace Calls Power to Overcome. It's a deep dive into the grace of God, which will give you principles, biblical principles to help you overcome whatever battle you're facing. The crazy thing about the sign-up so far, it's like Three-quarters of people signed up for women. I'm like, did the brothers not understand that this is for them too? I don't know what's going on here. Or are you single guys? It's a good chance to meet some girls. Okay. Uh, there's a lot of girls that are going to be there. Um, but either way, um, uh, come as a couple, come as a couple, come as a single. But, I mean, the Bible says, Titus says, the grace of God Teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly fashion. Grace is a powerful force. We're going to explore the power of grace, and you can go to the website pureandsimpleministry.org if you're interested in the conference. We can sign you up tonight. You can go do on the website. But what a great opportunity to get eight hours of powerful teaching on the grace of God and how it can make your life a lot different. So, guys, gear up. It's a great ride. It's a crazy ride. It's a difficult ride, but. Don't you want to be men of spiritual authority? Don't you want to see God? Don't you want to be, have, like Job, God scan over the city and say, That's my man. That's my guy. It's a, it's a costly price. It's a high price. But in paying the price, the life that God has for you is amazing life. I don't want anybody to miss it. Amen? Amen.